Did you know at Kroger, shopping online with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store? Same low prices, same personalized deals, same rewards, with no hidden fees or markups on your same family favorites, like Honeycrisp apples and pasta sauce. The only difference is you don't have to put on shoes. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm James Reynolds on the BBC World Service. Welcome to BBC OS Conversations on ADHD. We bring together parents and couples who discuss what it's like either to have the condition or to live with people who experience the symptoms of hyperactivity and an inability to focus. There can be positives as well. One of our guests is the Nigerian rapper Jude M.I. Agaba. It really affected me and my time in college in the States. But it helped me when I moved back to Nigeria, I ended up having like a really successful music career. I've always been very creative. And in that way, it's sort of like the gift and the curse. Reports suggest that about 2% of adults around the world have the mental health condition ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Now, 2% doesn't sound that much, does it? But add it all up, and it comes to around 160 million people. And the number of children with ADHD is more than twice that. The condition involves issues with concentration, and that can lead to problems with learning in school when younger or trying to hold down a job later in life. It's an issue widely discussed on social media and online. If you search ADHD, uh, you'll find a BBC investigation from the other week into poor diagnosis at three private clinics here in the UK. There's a similar kind of story from the ABC in Australia against the background of an increase in prescriptions and medication. I don't know, you might also have seen an interview with the singer Nelly Furtado where she talks about her own diagnosis. Both the numbers and the media report suggest that this is a global issue. For that reason, we wanted to understand more about its effects, what it means to have ADHD, not only for the individual, but also for their families, the people they love. We brought together two mothers whose kids have formerly been diagnosed with ADHD. Jane lives here in the UK with her teenage daughter Maria, neither are their real names by the way, and Sylvia, who you'll hear from first, is in Nairobi in Kenya with her three children between the ages of 11 and 16. She refers to them by their initials, A, B and D. I have three boys, two of them are on the autism spectrum and one has ADHD, uh, convulsive disorder and intellectual challenges on top of the autism. And it's not been an easy road because, first of all, yeah, in the African continent, it's something that we're just getting conversant with because of lack of awareness and the generalization about it just being indiscipline issue and misconduct and just hyperactivity and generally the blame game that always comes to us, the parents, that uh, you can't get a hold of your child, you have not raised them well, that's why they're not settling, they're being all over for baby B later is when the ADHD diagnosis came as late as actually when he was 10, that is last year, early this year, just after he turned 11. It was just becoming too much, having to handle the two special needs boys. It makes it very difficult to also have to handle ADHD on top of that and uh, the medications and trying to find the right school, the people who can just walk with you the journey because 
the first thing is everyone, your neighbors, school, out in the community is that the judgment when he comes out. That hyperactivity, when we go somewhere and 30 seconds later, he's touching this one, he's talking to that other person because he's over friendly. And in this community these days, people are very introverted and not as social as it was back in the days. So it breaks you as a parent when you are looking at your child being themselves and you want to do anything to just make it quote unquote normal or just calmer and and less stressful because anywhere you go you can't settle, you can't sit. So even going out becomes something you think about and you just like I'd rather stay home because I'm just gonna come back triple tired. Sylvia, what difference did it make in your life and your son's life to have that formal medical diagnosis? The good thing is when you know what you're dealing with, it makes it a bit easier to look at the angles of how to handle it. Before, it was just like, why are you not listening? Do I have to say things 10 times? Do I have to tell you something 30 seconds again? I have to repeat myself. As a parent, before you know what the issue is, it's very frustrating to say the least. And we are humans at the end of the day. You love your child, but it pushes your buttons to a point you feel like you're losing your mind. Jane, our other guest, with your beautiful daughter, who on this programme we'll call Maria. First of all, Sylvia, you having three children with neurodivergent issues, I must say I I raise my hat to you. Your life is is a great deal more challenging than mine. I only have one child. She's 18 now. But like you, it's been a long road since her childhood, difficult behavior, different behavior, and and, and my buttons being pressed and and just slowly things just becoming so difficult that you are starting to think that this can't be normal. There came a point um, when she started to approach puberty that I think the challenges outside in in school, academic life started to be so great for her that then it really kicked in her ADHD sort of properly. You have boys, but I have a girl. So in girls, ADHD is a kind of sneaky one. It it manifests itself very differently. It's, It's not so much physical hyperactivity. It's anxiety. It's inability to focus dreaminess and emotional sensitivity and sort of extreme emotional reactions to everything and injury prone, clumsy and not fitting in with your contemporaries, not making friends or feeling bullied all the time. Everything is difficult. So as a mother like you, I love my daughter and trying to understand and support. But then when we went to secondary school, She was a very keen dancer, so her hyperactivity perhaps was there also. But because she used to dance ballet several times a week, repetitive movements and practicing at home, it was hidden by that. But once she stopped ballet, she became older and the academic pressures at school, having to study subjects that she didn't like, having to have results in subjects that she didn't like and wasn't good at, like maths and chemistry, etc. It it became intolerable, her life. And she started to sort of go towards the breakdown, which she eventually had a year ago, exactly now. And that's when she had psychiatric help and support. 
And then we went for the long road for diagnosis. I had to go private. And she has just started medication two weeks ago. And we are hoping that her life will turn around because of the medication. So, yes, it's been very, very challenging. It's a serious concern. She's My daughter is very talented, clever, intelligent, but she has terrible failures in able to do simple things like look after herself, cleanliness, tidiness, timekeeping, organizational skills, all sorts of things like that. So medication for us, it's a real sort of hope that her life can progress normally after that. <laughs> I feel like we are in the same storm, but different boats. <laughs> and it, it's a glimpse. I'm like, thank God, at least I'm trying to have the interventions now because we're just getting to puberty. And the same struggles of self-care, understanding, safety for me has been a challenge because my son has been hit by a car. He's fallen from the first floor. He's had an accident where when he was still younger and crawling, he walked into a bucket of hot water. And I'm looking at like, oh my God, every time you see a phone call from school, like, what now? These are the things you just adjust and you cry and you're like, it's going to get better. And every day you tell yourself that it's going to get better and you pray about it and you do everything you can. And for us as parents, even as Jane said, it, it really gets to you and you just want to do the best that you can for your child. And the challenges sometimes, mine just started speaking the other day, so it was also nonverbal. It would only be that time when you're taking a sigh of relief that, oh, today they're calm. Little do you know that there is something else creeping in their body. At least he's gained some, some communication skills and he understands pain. He takes instructions as much as you'll send him. You can't do more than one instruction for him. It's like, bring me a cup with water. You can't say, bring me a cup and then pick a plate and come. Halfway through, he will see the TV and he will get distracted very, very easily, which makes it also hard for him to interact with other children. And it affects their self-esteem. Because even now you find that other children don't want to play with them. And you see, when a child is asking you what's the matter and you have no answer because you want them to just blend in and just be integrated in everything. Yet when you try and every time it's, it fails, when it comes to school and the teacher tells you that they cannot take in academics. I think the more I become informed and especially now after diagnosis, I think the expectations towards our children have to be different. I can now see what is possible for my child and what isn't. And then my behavior also, I know how to manage her better. And, and I think that when, when your children get a little bit older, you will probably be able to start to have this kind of relationship with them that you can guide and, and support but you're right about the self-esteem that uh, before the diagnosis, especially because they cannot understand as well as others or they can't follow. They can drop their attention. So they feel they are very bad at school. The teachers think they're bad. So it affects on self-esteem a lot. My daughter's self-esteem has, has become so much better now that she knows he, she has a condition and it's not her fault. So, so for her, it's it's been a great thing to have this diagnosis and for me as well. And I trigger less as a, as a parent because I know now that I need to be very understanding and supportive.
As much as I'll be busy trying to work, trying to do and trying to balance life, when they call upon you, you're just there for them to give them that reassurance that, yes, I see you and I hear you and you're doing yeah. great at it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As that, a parent, that is the, the greatest thing you can do is just to keep on reassuring them that you are just fine as you are and, and you are doing great. But it's very tiresome as a parent yeah. to, uh, because it, it's never ending. There's constant crisis and there's constant need and it wears you out and you have three of them. So you need support as well. Jane here in the UK and Sylvia in Nairobi on their shared experiences, challenges and solutions in supporting the kids they love. You're listening to BBC OS Conversations on ADHD from the BBC World Service. The mothers we just heard from mentioned the creativity of their kids. And that's because despite being mainly known as a disorder that involves lack of focus, ADHD can result in periods of hyperfocus and creativity. And that's something we'll hear about in our next conversation between two couples thousands of miles apart. We have Becca and Charles in the United States in New York. Becca is British. She was diagnosed with ADHD later in life. Charles also has some of the symptoms, but he doesn't have an official diagnosis. They're joined by Jude Abaga and Eniola Mafe in Lagos, Nigeria. Eniola, or Eni, was diagnosed with ADHD in 2005 when she was 19. Her husband Jude, familiar to many as the rapper MI, also has symptoms. I am undiagnosed, but I think when I was around 19, I saw symptoms of ADHD and I was like, yeah, oh, I'm definitely that. I was in the U.S. at this time, really young. I was just like, I'll just manage. I'll just keep doing what I do. It really affected me and my time in college in the States, but it helped me. When I moved back to Nigeria, I ended up having like a really successful music career. I've always been very creative. In that way, it's sort of like the gift and the curse. Right before we got married, we started really talking about what it would mean like to have ADHD. It was the first time I took a look at its impact. And I remember I, I just had a moment where I was filled with so much sadness. We had a really sad day. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing where we were both yeah, accepting that we were going to live with a partner that had ADHD and really truly grasping the, the implication because it really shapes so much of how you interact with the world that when you're aware of it, you know, I had a feeling of like almost helplessness. And what Google said to me was that people with ADHD will live difficult lives. That one line helped me feel seen, but it also is sort of the reason why I think talking about it is so important because when people don't realize, you know, they end up having to bear something else to wear another cloak throughout their life, which is like being lazy, being distracted, being, you know, unfocused and serious, being too passionate, being too emotional. And when you discover that there's something about how your brain is wired that makes you unique and has just really strong parts and it's really weak parts, it's freeing, but it could also be um, maybe for some debilitating. But I'm proudly ADHD. I'm grateful for its gifts and I'm working on being self-aware and learning as much as I can. I'm going to just sit back away from the microphone, do that incredibly awkward thing where I leave you guys on your own. But I want to do that just to try and foster the conversation. So I'd love the two couples to speak to each other and ask questions, and I will be listening. Hi, uh, Charles. Hi, Becca. I think for any and I, it was a little bit of a moment for us making the decision to still get married after we realized how much more difficult, how how many more partners we would have in this in this wedding. 
I don't know if that is, if you guys have had cause to reflect on that or think about that as a couple. I don't think we did, but that was maybe through our unique sort of way we got together in that we had a long distance relationship for like 10 years. I mean, maybe the ADHD came into that in a way and it was like, this is the longest thing I've ever stuck at. Um, <laughs> and, it, and with my stubborn nature, I'm like, I'm not letting this go. I've committed to this, of course, because we're in love and everything. My mum would always say that I would, you could never get me to do something if I didn't want to do it. Sometimes I'm just really determined, which is such a, a great contrast between how can you be so determined to do some things yet procrastinate and have no desire to do others and that's what's the real struggle with ADHD it's like that's why it feels sometimes like such a one or the other you know when parents say that their ADHD child will concentrate on video games but not actually do their homework and they don't understand the levels of concentration in different ways and I, I mean I still that's something I struggle with all the time but um, yeah. I don't think we ever felt that ADHD was coming between us because it was interesting what you said about being creative as well and being into music because Charles and I are both artists well I'm a designer he's an artist we have that creative nature so I think there's something to that as well that makes the relationship a bit different but mm. having those similar interests and goals because even before we met i I always felt as if I wanted to be with someone who was creative because I felt like those people understood me better. So, <laughs> yeah. so I think that's why our relationship works despite of having ADHD because I think the other things are stronger. I feel it's better to be with someone with ADHD and creative and be that team than not. Yeah, I absolutely I agree with you, Becca, this is Daniela. And the last piece you said about creativity, I'm just wondering, like, some of the things that Jude and I work through, when I actually think about it, we've been really creative about ways that we can kind of hack things. You talked about video games and gamifying attention, creating time. Sometimes we create time for our ADHD to just run unfettered. Because sometimes it just needs to, we just need to have like an ADHD afternoon or, or day or a couple of days or a weekend just to feel like we're not ignoring parts of ourselves. But I was just really curious of some of the things you do as a couple that kind of, I don't know, strengthens your bond, acknowledging ADHD as part of the furniture of that bond, you know? That's a difficult one. <laughs> I don't know oh, whether really? we do. <laughs> I, mean, I think one of the cool things is, as you understand your diversity more, you see it's so different in so many yeah. people. In a way, I think for any and I, we're both really like high performing, high energy, high, high output. I'm more introverted than she is. And we have this dynamic where balancing our professional lives at the same time as having all these passions and managing that energy with our, our marriage. There's a difference in what we do that where I think we would be been much easier if both of us were working in the creative sector that I'm sort of hearing from both of them. Ah, you know, okay. it's okay. almost like jealous. You seem to have these things in place that you've put together, whereas Charles and I are still very much like trying to learn a lot. It's the wild, lot, the but... wild west over here. <laughs> Please don't take our confidence to show that we are aware of it. We're still working through it. It's just that we'll speak with it with such confidence of our wrongness sometimes. So <laughs> I, I think, Becca, you mentioned something that just so connected so much with me. 
I always used to wonder why it didn't work out with people and how I could be so misunderstood. And I will say that the first person who actually knew what to do and understand me as a friend first, but also as my my partner was Jude. Maybe part of it is his creativity and, and his amazing creative mind that he was able to take the complexity of me and things that didn't quite fit or didn't make sense with a supposed A-type personality woman who, you know, yes, I'm an executive who struggles with executive function. <laughs> um, but I also, I don't always wake up like this. Or, you know, he was able to take all of the, the different characters within me and understand it in ways that would confuse others who would think very linearly, or he was just able to get me and also be curious enough to ask, like, what happened? And usually maybe someone else would walk out or they they would uh, call me a different name or something like that and, and shut off. Yeah. But he was just curious and leaned in. And I thought that that was just, it was so kind of him. It was just the kindness that sometimes we don't always get because we, we, we're not understood enough. I'm going to need this recording, BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I need the proof. <laughs> no, but I mean, and just to add to what you're saying, like, we, I tell any that our superpowers that we jump head first into difficult conversations. That meant that we had a really, like, before we got married, like a really frank conversation, like data-led, like, this is what's going to be difficult when we get married. We're both ADHD, we're blah, 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 blah. And it's maybe unnecessary for most people. However, what I've liked about it is that it's allowed us to always acknowledge that there's something else going on at critical moments when we're in disagreement and to acknowledge that in the other person. So it's always like, hey, yeah, I know, I felt this way about this and I felt really strongly, but you know that I sometimes feel really strongly about things and I don't feel this, that way anymore. I've had a different, and maybe the person was defending that really hard yesterday. And, and now we can be like, okay, I understand that because I have the same experience as well, or I'm confused or I'm overwhelmed or I have this sensory overload or our language has gotten a little better with allowing the complexity of what my experience is, you know, giving my partner the, the grace, that's the word we use, the grace to live within that that world as well. Charles, I think that I hear that you have a partner that's the same, which is like someone that has done a lot of the work of understanding themselves and is able to help me understand myself through the fact that they share their experience with me. You know, I'm very grateful for that. It helps a lot because it really helps me to catch myself in certain things and try to master myself a little better. And I think it's a good dynamic as well. Because yeah. I feel like if one person is not focused, maybe the other one is. And then that <laughs> kind of levels things out a bit, you know, because there, there are times when she could be hyper-focused and I could be distracted. So, I mean, learning about this is, is very interesting. And I quite frankly, I don't I, I don't know if some parts of society view it as a stigma or some don't. If, if I, I do have an M diagnosed with it because I do have the symptoms, I... I think I might prefer it this way sometimes because I think for anybody creative yeah. to be more focused yeah. and to be more passionate about things, I feel like you yeah. live a more turbulent but vibrant life. And I yeah. think you could actually use this to your strengths. You know, I don't, people handle it differently, but I think there is a way to handle, to use this for good as well, to this, this way yeah. we are. Charles and Becca in the US with Nigerians Jude and Eniola giving us a fascinating and unforgettable insight into one of the most common mental health disorders 
in the world. You can find more information and advice on ADHD by searching the BBC Action Line. I'm James Reynolds. You've been listening to BBC OS Conversations on ADHD on the BBC World Service.